0: That's MyFlexLearning.com forward slash B-E. You're listening to the Authority Podcast and the B Podcast Network. Thank you everybody for being here with us today for another great episode. My guest today is Dr. Joy. Dr. Joy is an educator, author, and lead consultant at Joy Work Edu throughout her career she served as a classroom teacher, professional learning facilitator, instructional coach, school administrator, college instructor and educational consultant so all the roles across the spectrum there and in every role she learned the importance of holding on to her joy dr joy is the author of two books including back to zero published by edge of match which we're discussing today dr joy welcome to the authority
1: well thank you thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here
0: so, uh, you know, we heard this word uh, a number of times in my intro. So let's talk about it. What does joy mean to you?
1: Oh, man. Joy has just become an intentional way of life for me. It's been a journey. I, I always tell people, I call myself Dr. Joy because my dad gave me the nickname Joy when I was a little girl mm-hmm. and I never liked it. <laughs> but <laughs> as I grew older, I realized how much I needed joy in my life. And that name was actually a blessing because it's helped me to put it at the forefront, you know, of the way I work, the way I navigate life, just purposefully to be intentional about my joy and working to encourage others to do the same. And so people also think that, like, this means that I'm always the most joyful person in the world, and that's why I do this work. The reason why I actually do this work is because I actually was not the most joyful person in the world. And so I keep it at the forefront of my life because this is how I choose to live so that I'm not the person that I don't want to be.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I think joy is something to be sought right It's not just the default state of being for most people, especially for adults. And while a lot of times kids may exude joy and any number of different circumstances, there comes a certain point where it becomes foreign to too yeah. many of us, right? Or exceedingly rare. And, you know, there's environments in which, yeah, and we need to intentionally create that. So how about the learning environment, schools, classroom? Why do you feel it's important for students to have joyful learning environments?
1: So that it's meaningful for them and, and that they can remember those experiences, And I think in order for students to be able to experience joy in schools, teachers have to tap into joy for themselves. So many times we're saying, you know, bring joy to work, bring joy to students, bring joy to learning, but we never focus on allowing the educators to tap into their own joy. What does it mean to them? How does it connect to their role? How do they navigate their roles with joy? You know, how do they find joy? How do they exemplify it? So many things that I never thought about as a teacher. You know, I never really took time to reflect on it. Nobody, you know, it wasn't a conversation. You know, now we hear more and more about, you know self-care and your well being, and all of those things but entering the teaching profession how I was gonna tap into joy and learn to love what I do and be able to be in a state of joy even in the midst of challenges. And most importantly, recognizing that my joy was my responsibility. So it didn't matter who was um, facilitating or running that building, what students I had, what parents came in that building, my joy was always going to be my responsibility. It was going to be my responsibility to sustain it, to identify it, to cultivate it, to exemplify it, all of those things. And that's something that I did not recognize going into the teaching profession. It just wasn't a conversation or something that I've reflected on.
0: Yeah. And, and this has come up from time to time in, in different conversations, even on this show and the concept that students being the example here, but this applies to anybody in, in any mm-hmm. room they're going to respond to what they see and what they feel right mm. so if they have a teacher who is exhibiting joy in their teaching and what they're doing and is really involved and engaged then they're going to respond in kind if they have a teacher that is disengaged burned out unhappy going through the motions then they're going to respond in turn so it's you know it's not only an opportunity and an aspiration to bring that joy but it all you know it affects everything from the mundane to the extraordinary Mm -hmm. it affects everything from that switch between engagement and disengagement uh, interest in learning and disinterest to even you know it can be the difference between deeper emotional unhappiness to the, you know, transition all to to joyful living, but it's very, it's contagious and, and yeah, it's interactive absolutely. and it's, again, you know, it, it might not be the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people, a lot of educators when they walk in each day to try mm-hmm. to get all the way to that level. But when you think about the uh, influence it can have on students and their perspectives and their feelings towards being in the classroom and learning, it makes it a lot more clear why it's something to work toward.
1: Yes, absolutely. And kids, you know, they deserve joy.
0: In my work, I've collaborated directly with hundreds of educators to support their success. Do you know which of their ed tech frustrations comes up time and again? The sheer number of tools out there and the difficulty of knowing which ones schools like theirs are using to get results iXL is different. Not only does it perform the functions of dozens of tools, it's currently delivering results for one in four U.S. students, including those in 95 of the top 100 districts. Another major pain point that comes up? When a school is excited to implement a new tool, only to find out the teachers hate it. Yikes. It helps to know that iXL is loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, saving them time on prep work while enabling them to better support student learning. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments, and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com forward slash BE for a demo. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.
1: When they enter school, they have pressures and challenges that they navigate just like adults do. And I think sometimes we forget that. And -hmm. they come to school with those and they also have to navigate them within school and and so just giving them a space, I always say, I just, you know, for my own children, I just hope that they have something that they connect to, something that they're excited that they're learning about to tell me. And in some space, it doesn't have to be the entire, every place they're not going to fit in, but it's somewhere, some space in that school that they find some sense of belonging within those, within that school setting.
0: What kind of at the classroom level, or even in the school, right? tangibly, like what does it look like when you have this joyful environment where students, educators are experiencing it?
1: I think for me, it's definitely a sense of connection and you're not gonna connect with every student on every single level or with that same level of intensity, but connection is so important because no one wants to be on like a joy journey alone. It's your response would be joyful, but no one wants to feel like they have no one to connect to. So I think creating opportunities for students to find ways to connect, you know, so when we talk about things like challenges that we have in school, that's a conversation that involves all of us. So that's a conversation that we can connect, you know and have with students as a whole, and not wait for something to happen or single students out who we see like visibly having challenges, but know that this is something that connects us all. No matter where we're from, what backgrounds we have, we all come here with challenges. And so creating those kind of connections where we have empathy for each other, I think is so important in schools. Getting us sort of all on the same baseline with certain topics so that we don't feel isolated. And so I think those are some of the things or or tangible ways to um, support that joy in learning is that connectedness, um, empathy, sharing stories, you know, having those spaces where students can, you know, share stories, challenging students, getting to know them, getting to know them as individuals and what strengths they bring to the classroom, what they love you know, not even necessarily what strengths right away, but things that they enjoy, things that they love, like setting up an environment where you're actually feeling like everyone in there is a part of humanity and needs to be affirmed in some way.
0: Yeah. And it strikes me that it can tap into students' intrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of other things can't. (laughs) There's that peace inside of everyone that just wants to be happy, just wants to enjoy what they're doing without worrying about how it's evaluated or what anybody else Mm -hmm. thinks. And just to say, look, I just want to explore. If there's something I find interesting, I want to check it out. And I don't want, you know, I don't care what anybody else thinks about that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where, I mean, that's the heart of discovery. It's the Mm -hmm. heart of invention and innovation and is just being able to kind of pursue things and go down those rabbit holes and read about a topic okay. and try things right and test and, and retest and try and fail and try again that I mean with, even when you think about things that their end result seems mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have an emotional component I guess scientific discovery right? but yeah. it, it is right it is if mm-hmm. you think about the people who are pursuing that, you know, that discovery and that exploration, they're finding the wonder and the joy of yes. what they're learning about. And that's what sustains things that, are, I mean, sometimes are lifelong. Mm-hmm. You know, It's a lifelong process.
1: And then finding some success in that, like every student should feel like they're successful at something, you know, and being able to pull that into the conversation and with that empathy, like this is, a measure of success, like showing them what that looks like for them. Because nobody wants to feel like they're trying and trying and then there's no feedback. So I think that joy work in a classroom comes with ongoing feedback so that the students can see their growth. They can see that they're learning. They can see their progress and feel a measure of success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, And particularly in circumstances where students can form rigid opinions of themselves hmm. at a very early age <laughs> yeah. with respect to what they believe to be their aptitude for learning their ability in different areas and um, and it, you know so even from that young age where you would think it would be easier <laughs> to get to that joyful place it's not if you don't feel as though anything you're doing is successful or you're right you know, you're not being acknowledged for Mm -hmm. it or, um, you know, and and eventually nobody wants to continue doing something that they Mm -hmm. think is a failure, right? And think
1: about it, people can tell us, affirm us all day, it only takes one person to say something to make us feel, you know, just 10 times down, you know, so we have to really work to affirm our students and our children you
0: yeah. know so so the book back to zero yeah. can you give us a, you know the overview of it who who's it for what's it about
1: sure and that is connected to joy and I want to talk about the connection that I have the back to zero as a parent I had a young child who struggled in school emotionally and that's heartbreaking as a parent when you realize that you're child cannot find joy in school because they are not able to regulate their emotions. They're not able to understand the emotions. And as a parent, I was trying everything, but I realized that Throughout this process, there was a lot that I had to learn about my own emotions and how I respond to challenges. And so I created this book, actually started off as like a poem that I wrote for my own child, because I used to think like, if I could say something to him while he was at school, having a hard time, this is what it would be. And it sat there for a couple of years. And when I became an assistant principal, I realized, wow, this is like a widespread thing here. Like, we're all struggling to manage our emotions. We haven't had many conversations about conversations about self-awareness and how we respond to challenges. And we haven't had many of those conversations with our students and children in a non-judgmental way. And so the book Back to Zero for me was a way to open up a conversation, a friendly conversation with a classroom. Um, within a school setting about how we all have challenges and what can we do when we're feeling overwhelmed anxious upset or angry at school because we all have those challenges not just certain kids that you may see you know who are known for those challenges like my child was known for that in school right and so it was like it wasn't just those kids but it's all of us including your teachers including your parents and so that's how that Sorted. So I was an assistant principal and then I started working with organizations and we started really pulling the parents in. So what this became is sort of like the back to zero professional development program from this little book. <laughs> so it what pulls in teachers and it wraps around and pulls in the parents and then the students get a read aloud. So there's multiple parts so that we're all hearing the same language. And the overall message is we embrace challenges with empathy and love because we all have them.
0: And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor, MyFlex Learning. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it totally worth exploring. There's more time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students and the increased engagement that comes along with it, dedicated time for intervention. And overall, as school leaders, it provides you and your faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold you back from ensuring students make good use of their time. That's why I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with the seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. If you want to see for yourself, visit MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE. You'll learn all about My Flex Learning, what it can do for your school, and you'll receive a $500 off offer for your first year. Check it out. So, you know, you reference, of course, the important role of conversations in this, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to direct it towards. So recently on on the show here, I spoke with Patrice Bain about her book, A Parent's Guide to Powerful Teaching, and she Mm -hmm. writes about the teaching triangle, educator, parent, student, right? And all three Mm -hmm. of those being those critical roles. So I kind of wanted to go through each of those pairs and talk about the conversations that could be happening around emotions, right, around mm-hmm. our feelings toward learning, around joy, and also around managing negative emotions, emotional regulation, and, and what that looks like. And so let's start teacher-student. What kind of conversations can take place there?
1: Sure. It's, that conversation can be, because it's called back to zero, and it takes you um through sort of this process of when a child is feeling that they've reached mm-hmm. a level of 10, which means they're overflowing with some type of negative emotion. And the teacher and the conversation between a teacher and the student or a teacher in a classroom is really like we all have those days where we're feeling overwhelmed. What does that look like to you? What does it feel like? What does your body feel like? What does your mind feel like? What are you thinking? What types of situations bring those feelings about? And then those conversations about now, how can you get back? To zero or closer to it, and allowing the students to reflect on their own personal ways where they can help to self um, regulate their emotions. And then yeah. spreading on to that classroom community. Well, we didn't get students to student yet, so I'll wait. <laughs> we were just doing the student to teacher.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Student to student, sure. Okay, so
1: then with the student to student, it's recognizing that, you know, as a classroom community, we're here to support each other in those times when we feel overwhelmed within our challenges and sharing some of those strategies that we use together and not feeling like, well, this kid is weird because he's going off and like screaming in the corner or I'm going to look at this kid and laugh and joke at him or make, you know, react a certain way because he's doing that. But now I'm understanding that he's having a hard time. This is how we, he displays it. And, you know, we're going to work together as a classroom community to show empathy and love for that student because I have a hard time too. And I've also seen my parents have a hard time. And so, you know, and my parents say, I see my children have a hard time. It's, oh man, I think the most, I enjoy every part of this program, of course. As a parent, it touches my heart the most because I was never taught this as a parent having young children. How the, how important the way I responded and my emotions were, and when you give parents a space to talk about that in a non judgmental way, just the experiences, the tears, the laughter, it just all comes out because we recognize that we're all going through this. No one gave us a book on how to manage your emotions with your kids. I mean, if I'm sure there are books out there, but when we had children, we never imagined some of the things that we would have to juggle emotionally speaking. And so that's to me has, um, the whole process of it is rewarding, but that to me touches my heart, I think the most, because you see the pieces coming together. So what the Back to Zero program looks like is, um, I'll usually do a read aloud with the students, And then the the teachers will get professional development and then the parents will get a workshop. So oftentimes, like when I'm doing a parent workshop, I'll see students come behind their parents with the book, like, oh yeah, she was, you know, giving us, They read aloud and they'll even have conversations like, I do get overwhelmed at school with math sometimes, or I do feel, you know, stressed out about this. They just relate to it. And it's just a way for us to really sit back and think, you know what? I see you and you see me and we're all going through it and we're all here to help each other. And I think it just makes it easier to navigate the day when you don't feel like you're the only one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And to that point, teacher, parent-teacher conversations and you know, and, and especially how can teachers be proactive in engaging parents in these conversations, letting them know what's happening, what goals they're working toward, right? Just getting them more involved so that then parents can can continue that work at home, but also feel feel like they're being intentionally engaged in the process.
1: I think that communication piece with the back to zero is what's made it so effective because parents can recognize okay let me check my emotions as I'm advocating for my child and that may open up a nice door to speaking having a productive conversation with the teacher because now I'm able to to think clearly to to be calm and to go in a conversation with strategies to help my my child navigate the day. And the same thing with teachers. Now I'm able to really look and document behaviors and not take it so personally that this child responded a certain way. So now that conversation with that parent is more effective because I'm coming from a sense of empathy and not, oh, I'm, I'm taking this personally because I've had time to reflect on my responses to challenges. And so I think when we're all working on it, we can see the work working in our communication with each other.
0: Are there advice for parents to then carry on those conversations with their child and sort of, you know, obviously it's, it has to kind of continue right at home Mm -hmm. and be supported. And also, you know, depending on the age of the student, I mean, sometimes regardless of the age, but like you're going to see there are different sides to mm-hmm. the child's personality and behavior and the, uh, that may show up at home versus at school versus in other places. That there, there may be different things that you're trying to sort of understand and talk through mm-hmm. and determine the causes and how to support it.
1: Yes. And, it, you know, it is, it's different because even my own children, my son and daughter were so different. You know, my daughter, I met, I meet her teachers at open house and I'll meet them again at graduation. <laughs> you know, with mm-hmm. my son, it was constant communication with the school and recognizing that they were different and recognizing that as a parent, I had to take responsibility for how I responded, how I followed up, like I had to do the work, you know, like I had to really put the work in and learn a lot and just listen to my child. You had to, I had to be like a really good listener. I had to practice those things at home. Our whole family, like back to zero is something that we say to each other, like as a family, you know, it's work. Everyone in the family just and then having grace w- with yourself when things all don't go perfectly. You know what I mean? Just being able to say, you know, this wasn't the best day, but we just keep moving forward. But it is ongoing work. And so the advice is you is that you have to put in the work and that it's never ending. And, you know, communication is ongoing and you have to be a good listener and you have to accept you have to be able to accept the work. So if you recognize something in yourself, recognize something in your child, you just have to be able to accept it and work from it and not feel ashamed about it. So many times we feel ashamed. And I think that's yeah. what makes us defensive a lot of times when we're communicating. So it's not feeling ashamed about it, knowing that you're not the only one and keeping that communication going. But you have to put the work in. You have to put the work in for yourself and you have to put your work the work in for your children. On and the... start small, start small, I'm sorry, small steps. I always give parents small like things to think about that they do throughout the day. Self-awareness is so important and just I usually give them like eight things that I say and it, that connects to them, like small shifts that they can make throughout the day, like taking those pauses, watching what you watching the first thing you say out of your mouth in a challenge what is your first initial response you know so things that you can reflect upon and then be honest with yourself about the changes you need to make
0: yeah yeah and then in the classroom are there kind of whole class activities that teachers can do to work on this
1: sure i definitely think about like like giving students a read aloud any read aloud that connects to self-awareness and emotions From the beginning, not when something happens, but that's part of your, like, we are a community first day. We all have challenges. We're going to talk about this, like, first day, like, not waiting for the counselor to come in to do it. It's something that you do as a teacher from day one, you know, talking about how in this classroom community, we are all going to have challenges these are the challenges we might face, allowing students to talk in pairs and groups about challenges that they face, how they react to their emotions and how they respond, things that make them feel like they're reaching a level 10. And I have so many resources on my website, joyworkedu.com, just like bookmarks that teachers can use and reflection sheets that teachers can use that are very tangible ways and user-friendly ways to start a answer a conversation with students and the classroom community about your managing your emotions. Also in the back of the book, Back to zero. There's a classroom activities and discussion questions that a teacher can use.
0: Yeah. Do you have a message a takeaway for teachers for whom this maybe doesn't come naturally?
1: Oh, yes, because it didn't come naturally to me. You know, it I don't think it it comes naturally to to so many of us because we just move and you know, we were taught we think. And I tell you what the biggest reason I think it is, because we're the adult, we're the big people, they're the child. And if we're not able to get it under control, there's something wrong with us. And I think the main thing is to not be hard on yourself, give yourself some grace and, you know, and take your time, you know, and enter this as a process where you're working on it little by little. You know, it's not something that's going to be, it's going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of your reflection about who you are at a challenge. Start small. How did you start with something small like, what do I feel like? W- what kind of situations? I always say three questions. What kind of situations make me feel like I'm going to reach a level 10? They're all different for, for everyone. So maybe something small like that. You're just, you just write down in your classroom. What kind of situations just make you feel like you're at a level 10? Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to share with anybody. And then the second question can be, how does my mind and body feel before I reach that 10? What are the stages? What do I feel like? You know, some of those physical changes that you feel when you're getting tense or, you know, your body feels different. Your palms are sweaty. How does your mind feel? What does your mind go? What are you saying to yourself? What are you thinking to yourself? And then it's, what could I do in a situation? What is something that does relax me? How could I get back to attend or even closer to it when I'm in one of these situations? So I would say those are three questions that anybody can start with. They don't have to share with anyone. It's just their way of reflecting on themselves in a challenging situation.
0: Wonderful. Well, listeners, you can find Back to Zero and more about Dr. Joy's other work or other books at joyworkedu.com. What else can people check out on your website or anywhere else they can learn about your work?
1: Sure. My website really has everything up there. I'm on Twitter at joyworkedu. Everything is at joyworkedu. I also have a podcast, Joy Works Conversations About Joy, that I started in February. It was something that I wanted to do just to connect with different educators about their joy journey. So I've been doing that, and that's like my new project that I absolutely love. And yeah, you can find everything on my website. And yes, yeah, just I'm always just finding ways to connect with educators and continue this joy work because I think it's important for everyone, but I especially think it's important for us because. cultivating (laughs) minds
0: yes totally (laughs) awesome so yeah everybody check that out joyworkedu.com we'll put the link below we'll put the link to dr joy's social media and her full bio so you can learn more about our work and and you can go and find it all please do also subscribe to the authority for more in-depth author interviews like this one and visit bpodcast.network to learn about all of our 30 plus shows across the education spectrum i'm sure there's something new for you there. Dr. Joy, thanks so much for being on the party.
1: Thank you. This episode was edited by Gage Sanderson.
0: Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash B E. To learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash B E.